It's that time again, right? Kick out the old welcome the new. Make your New Year's resolutions now. Go! and all. Partying face emoji. Champagne bottle emoji. Fireworks emoji. Yes, I spent far too much time in 2018 on Twitter. One of my resolutions for 2019 is to spend just a little bit less time on Twitter. My wife will be pleased with that. Let's see if I can keep it. Already one day in. So, so start. Let's just say that. Anyway, welcome to the New Year edition. New Year special. Of the AFTN Soccer Show, There's Still Time, episode 316. I am Michael McCall, flying solo for this episode. Steve and Zach will be back on Sunday's AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio. Gave them a little bit of a weekend off. But fret not, because we have a packed episode for you this week. Bringing you three interviews and a little bit of chat. And a nice bit of variety as well. We've got some MLS chat. We're going to hear from FC Cincinnati head coach Alan Koch from a a conference call that he did just after the expansion draft in December. We're also going to bring you an interview I did way back in July with Colorado Rapids Scottish winger Sam Nicholson. Just about what tempted him to, to come to MLS at such an early age. He's only 23. And just how he's found his experience so far. Spoiler, he's loving it. Even though the Rapids haven't been doing well, he's really embraced the, the whole culture and everything that MLS soccer offers. So that's to come in parts two and three, but we're going to kick things off with a, a lengthy sit-down chat I had last month with new Whitecaps FC and BC Soccer Rex programme head coach, Rianne Wilkinson. Now, Rianne is a, a veteran of the Canadian women's national team, twice bronze medal winner at the Olympics, now retired from the playing side and moved into the coaching side. She's currently the assistant on the national team to Kenneth Heiner-Moller. Also recently led the Canadian girls under 17 into the, the FIFA World Cup, where they got their highest ever finish of fourth. Great tournament for the girls, some great performances. Did leave a little bit of disappointment at the end of it, and that, that's something that, that Rianne's going to talk about as well, because she just felt that this team could have done so much more. 
She's going to be undertaking her new role. She's, she has already started it, but in the new year, she's fully embracing it because she's been travelling around a lot so far with the Whitecaps Rex programme and, and the girls. And, and coaching is something that she didn't always plan on doing when she, she stopped playing, but she's now fully embraced it, got all her coaching certificates, working on more, and is just loving it. So I got a chance to speak to Rianne just before Christmas out at Fortius and Burnaby, where the girls' elite Super Rex team always train. And as always, so much interesting chat with Rianne. Always enjoy talking to her. Full of insight and passion for the game. And you'll hear that over the, the next 21 minutes with her as well. Cover a lot of things. The women's national team, the under-17, the disappointment of not having a professional women's team in Canada, the whole Ballon d'Or controversy, her new role with the, the White Caps, and a lot, lot more besides. So hopefully you enjoy it uh, as much as I did chatting with her. Little warning that in the start in particular, it was quite noisy in Fortius and then a big group arrived at one point. So we did change the mic at one point during the interview so that the the sound quality does get better. But initially there is a little bit of background noise. Rianne was also choked with the cold as well. So that didn't make, we had to do a couple of quick edits to, to edit her out coughing. But a good chat was had about a wide variety of subjects. So let's hear what Rianne had to say. a little bit about you getting into coaching and coming to the white caps, a bit about the under 17s and the World Cup and just some stuff like that. <laughs> just, just everything. Yeah. Um, just everything as quickly as I can. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, coaching uh, in 2014 I was injured and decided to go get my UEFA B because I had an opportunity to do that um, over in Wales and really enjoyed it. And John gave me an opportunity to be the assistant coach for the under-20s yeah. in Canada because um, I was still out injured and yeah, really enjoyed the experience. Kadisha was on that team, Ashley Lawrence, uh, Caitlin Sheridan, a ton of the, the these players now that are on the senior team came through and um, just sort of, I've never been interested in coaching. It was just something to do when I, I was injured. I heard that. <laughs> yeah. No, I never wanted playing, is that? I do like teaching. Yeah. I really have always enjoyed that part. And my parents were both professors and I just figured I would follow that sort of pathway. Um, go back to school after I'd finished playing, get my masters, just how I'd predicted things going. Um, and then uh, just it just I just kept getting opportunities, and I, I don't say that as like in a nonchalant manner. I think John Herdman worked very hard to, to get those opportunities, as did Soccer Canada, as did Kenneth Heinermuller. Like a lot of people invested in me and believed in me, so I felt like I should say yes, and I'm glad I did. You know, these are things you say yes to, and question in terms of are you doing it because it's in front of you or it's the right thing and and I'm so glad I did I've had uh, an incredible time learning about the profession I don't think I understood and you can't be what you can't see is this big thing for for young women right now and reality is um, I did have a few female coaches growing up but not many and I'd never considered it as a real opportunity for me post-career and yeah I'm I'm really lucky and uh, I started coaching full-time with Canada Soccer before I finished playing. 
Um, so actually I was coaching in the January in LA 2017 and then in February I played my last game so I was then their coach and then you yeah. know then their teammate and so but was that weird for you at all because it's like you you've grown up and you've played with these people for years and now now you're having to, to give them some tough love sometimes yeah well I, I think it helped that um, I was much older so even the girls that I was teammates with for longer so Kadisha Ash, you know, we won an Olympic bronze together as teammates, but I had been their coach first at under 20. Um, first, it's a testament to them and their professionalism. And secondly, I think I was old enough that that gap was always there. We were never going to be, it was never unprofessional in terms of I was always the scary older player and hopefully not scary, but they did say I was, I was, I know I was a bit of an intimidating teammate in terms of uh, intensity. I've always been quite intense. So it wasn't a, a hard transition at any time. You know, Jordan Heidema is now captain of my under-17. She was also under under-20s that I was assistant for. She was my teammate as well with the She's senior everywhere. team. <laughs> she is everywhere and so am I. Um, so a, testament, a huge shout to her professionalism and her maturity, understanding that there's a way to handle yourself around a teammate and there's another way around a coach. Um, and she walked that line very well. Um, and I wasn't nervous about it. I, did, I thought she, I knew she would she would do well with it, and she has. She's she's been really great. Now, <coughs> the opportunity with the white caps. Yeah. It surprised me a little bit to, to see you here because you've gone from the national team. But I guess at the same time in Canada, there's not a lot of opportunities for female coaches. What was it that attracted you about the Vancouver job, leading the Rex program here? Uh, well, firstly, I think the Whitecaps, BC Soccer, Vancouver are world leaders in the women's game. Um, it's disheartening to see that it's there's no Canadian league here professionally, yeah. and it's embarrassing when I do FIFA events. <laughs> you know, <laughs> people don't believe it; they don't understand it. Um, I think for many, many years, the Whitecaps have invested in the women's program, and they still are, even though there's no like there's nothing except the national senior team, Canadian team as a sort of goal for these young people, that and U.S. universities and then leagues abroad. Yeah. So being a part of the program for me was just, it's an honor and a privilege. Um, I moved to Vancouver a couple years ago. Uh, the soccer community has really embraced me. Uh, Canada Soccer and I have a very long history together and I'm very proud of having gone through the system with them and I still will continue being assistant coach for the senior team. Um, but I wanted to, to start being on the field every day. Uh, you know, I, I'm new to my craft. I have invested a lot in it in terms of my coaching badges, but that is a, a hoop to jump through, and the reality is it's being on the field and, and getting your, your feet dirty and, and learning from the top coaches all around the province. Um, I'm absolutely open to learning, and I know I've been given uh, amazing privilege and opportunity, and I hope to use that to continue to build bridges between the province and the clubs, but also the rest of Canada. I want to keep pushing an agenda of professional women's sport as well, and soccer leading the way, but I do say women's sport. Um, we want to be world leaders, and we've got to demonstrate best practice. So Whitecaps are doing that, BC Soccer is doing that. Now we've got to get a lot of other people on board. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you this a bit later on, but I'll ask you it now. 
we spoke to yourself and some of the other women just mm. before the, the 2015 World Cup yeah. about the legacy that yeah. was going to get left by that for the game here. Yeah. Four years on almost, it doesn't feel like there's been much of a legacy. The fact that there is no professional team still in this country for for women to go and play in. I mean, you talked it's embarrassing, but it's disappointing more than anything. Yeah, I mean, well, it depends how you, you look at legacy. So if you ask any of these players that are playing for me at the moment for Whitecaps, they will probably say 2015 was when they first paid attention to the, to okay, the game. Yeah. So in that way, the legacy has been huge, impactful. I think it also proved a lot to, to maybe the, the non-believers of what the women's game is. And also, if you look at the progression of the women's game since 2015, uh, I think you can see what the legacy has done. So we were out in the quarterfinals. The team was disappointed with that result, but I think the public was like, oh, it's not a bad showing, you know? But we, we weren't happy with it. And then yeah. third in the Olympics in, in Rio, back-to-back medals, I think 108 years um, since that had happened before in a team sport. So definitely legacy in that way. The disappointment of not having a women's league, of not having a team in the NWSL, it's still there and it's really easy, it's very easy to, to point fingers and that's another reason why the White Caps was appealing to me is uh, there's a lot of criticism comes at them, um, but I'm here to be a part of the growing that and also to maybe a call, a call to arms to, you know, I'm from Montreal, I don't see the impact with yeah. any women's academy, I don't see Toronto FC with any women's academy. Yeah. So, you know, it's easy to, to point fingers, um, but if I don't want if, if to be a part of that change, i got to get, you know, mucked in and, and start working towards that. So hopefully that's part of what I'm doing. But when you've got the, the young players coming through just now, I mean, obviously someone like Jordan stands up as a, a person that films to look up to Emma Regan as well, and there's been so many that, that's come through the team. What is your message to them? Because there is no professional team here, Obviously, college is something that a lot of them look at, but there's so many Canadian players now gone overseas, yep. especially in France. It's like Kadisha <coughs> and Ashley and all those girls that are doing so well. What do you tell your group just now for the future? Uh, well, you know, every player has their own journey, and um, we try and make Rex uh, regional excellence programs, like at the Whitecaps, as part of a a progression plan for these players but the reality is there's going to be players that make it on the senior team who never made a youth team who never made a rex team they just forged their own path and that's part of it um jordan is one of probably very few that will go up through the levels uh strategically and and well planned any men or women the reality is it's your journey it's your pathway it's people saying you're not good enough it's you proving them wrong um, going abroad, I played abroad for seven years. Um, most people are doing that. I've played in the U.S., I've played in Norway, I've played, um, you know, across in Italy. It's just the reality right now. And as a proud Canadian, I think that is disappointing because you want to stay at home and start building the, the game, you know, in your in your communities. Uh, but we're not there yet, and that's yes, unfortunate, but it is actually the reality right now. So what do I tell them? Any disappointment, anything, I, I just say you're going to have to, you know, let your, your journey be your story and go out and prove yourself. So whether you go to college or whether you go straight professional, which is a reality for them now, um, it's what you make of it. So you might go to a lower level university and smash it and become an All-American and we're going to pay attention. Or you might become a professional and never see the field and then we lose yeah. sight of you. So it is, it's what you make of your choices 
um, the choices in front of you and getting the best advice. And I, I'm, I offer advice when asked, but I don't get involved unless I'm asked because I think it is their, their choice and their journey to, to take. Now, obviously you're going to know a lot of these girls from being with them over at the, the U17s tournament. It, it was such a, a strong tournament for Canada. First time ever getting to that stage. I know ultimately disappointment at, at finishing fourth. It was a team... Like you don't want to criticise them too much because they're so young, but it's a team that it definitely felt they could do more than, than what they got. Yeah, I think a lot of people were proud of the team and coming forth, but I'm pretty annoyed about it. I think the girls are as well. The thing I'm most proud of, though, is that um, they always played their way, and I think with youth teams... Sometimes you get results by resorting to a type of football that you're not proud of later. And they never did that. And it, maybe that cost them a medal because they refused to not play out yeah. the back. Um, but you know what? Uh, I'd rather they make the mistakes now and then go on and play for Canada for many, many years and learn that lesson. And, and you know, when they get to senior level, they, they know the difference between risk and reward. Um, so that part I'm proud of. But, yeah, I'm disappointed because I thought they were an incredible team. I thought they were so brave in how they played and showed um, really the development system and how well it's working with Rex, with their provincial programs, with all the coaches they've had throughout their careers. That's what they demonstrated on the world stage, how good we actually are. Now, a player like Jordan as well, it, it felt in that tournament in particular, she gets penalised for being tall. Yeah. It's like no matter what she does, she's the one that gets the foul against her. But she's such a talent. I mean, you don't want to heap too much pressure on her, and it's like Fonzie's had this on the, on the men's side as well, but how far can she go, do you feel, in this game? Well, that'll be her decision. I think uh, she's had a lot of opportunities very young, and sometimes that's a negative because you just get given a lot of stuff, so it's keeping her hungry and keeping her humble, um, keeping her working hard because, yeah, her, her ceiling is very high if she chooses, and it is a choice. Uh, what she did very well in the under-17s was um, become part of the team. So a lot of times with these major talents, the pressure makes them feel like they've got to do it all on their own. And uh, for the majority of the tournament, she was a part of a very functioning, highly functioning team unit that was successful. Um, so I thought she did well with that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it is just keeping her feet on the ground and working hard and not you know, praise is one thing and she, she deserves a lot of it, but it's also, there's a long way to go. And, you know, we, we in, are fortunate in Canada that we have someone like Christine Sinclair. So we've got probably the best player in the world if you look at the longevity of career yeah. and what she's done um, and how hard she works every day. So Jordan sees that. Um, I think that's there's no better way to, to keep her pushing and keep her hungry because she's seeing best practice every time she's with the senior team last couple of things just about the about the senior team you've had a whirlwind couple of weeks because you've been traveling all over the place so you're, you're just back from france <laughs> yeah. and the the world cup draw on paper it could be a lot harder it could be like scotland who's got a really tough group but it, it looks a very winnable group you must feel really confident heading into to next year that, that this is a team that can at least get maybe into the top four maybe even further well, I think it's actually a really hard group. I don't think it's the hardest group, but I definitely think it's one of the harder groups. Um, I think Cameroon, first game, you just don't know what to expect. Yeah. Pure athleticism, um, intensity, usually a formation you've never seen before. And 
I think New Zealand has always been a challenging game. They just give everything they have. So I actually think, and Holland, look, they won the Euros. This is a this is a challenging yeah. group. Um, I think it's a great group though because you'll have to work hard to get out of it and you need that to be ready in the quarterfinals. So often you get a group that doesn't challenge you maybe as much as, as you need to be challenged and then the quarterfinals hit you in the face because you're not ready for it. Um, so yeah, I think it's a group that's winnable, yes. It's a group that we could definitely get out of, yes. Is it going to be hard? Absolutely, we'll have to be at our best. Um, but yeah, I know the senior team's looking at this World Cup as a, a tournament that we shine in, and that to shine, I'm sorry, but we've got to be uh, successful and do well. And I, I don't think we're shying away from saying things like that now. Now, with John leaving the program, it was obviously a massive like hole that he's left behind because he was there for so long. And what, what's what does it feel like in the camp? Like how different is it now under Kenneth? Because I know he was obviously there before, but does, does it feel slightly different? Yeah, every coach uh, you have um, puts their own sort of imprint on it and, and their personalities and how things run. Uh, so, yes, I mean, John was a huge part of all our lives for a long time and a wonderful addition to Canada's soccer. I'm really happy he's still in Canada and still promoting the game here. Um, Kenneth is amazing. I think he's done really well at making sure that he implements his own ideas in a way that hasn't jolted people. He knows John, he knows how things were done, and he's slowly just making them how he likes them. Uh, And that's amazing. I think sometimes you need a new coach to push on to a new level. And John gave us so much, as have the coaches that have come before them. But Kenneth, I really believe, is the right man to push his team on to number one in the world. And... Like looking at at the, at the tournament next year over in France, the the women's game just seems to have grown so much internationally. It's like teams that were maybe getting beat with quite a few goals a couple of years ago. It's a lot closer now, and it yeah. just seems to be that maybe the top nations have kind of plateaued almost, but the ones underneath are getting stronger and stronger. Does it feel like that to you? I don't know if it's plateaued. Maybe I don't know, that's maybe, maybe not some. the right word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Definitely the the sort of. Um, difference between the lower nations and, and the, you know, air quote top nations is much smaller now. Uh, I think people have woken up. The women's game is not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. It's only going to get bigger and bigger. And you see top brands now recognizing that, getting more involved. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to compare us to the men's game. The real reality is the product is there for the men and it's not there for the women. And I, I think it'll come. Like, it is coming. And uh, so I think countries that have in the past just thought it would disappear have woken up yeah. to the fact that, you know, you're, you either um, get on board or you're going to get left behind. And, and I think FIFA regulation soon is going to be that if you have a men's team, you've got to have a women's. And it's... Uh, it's just the reality. I, I find it staggering when countries have, have not woken up. It's it's so, first, archaic, but also it's just limiting. If you have any woman in your life, I mean, wife, mother, child, aunt, whatever it is, if you have any woman and you want, to, you want them to be successful in whatever they love, um, and if it's sport, then you want them to have every opportunity that your son, father, uncle, whatever it has as well. So it's... Uh, it is staggering that it's taken this long and it's uplifting that in the time that I've been alive and played, the game has changed so much and it makes me very hopeful for the future. I wasn't going to ask you this, but it kind of ties in with what, just what we were saying there. The whole Ballon d'Or controversy with Anna, <laughs> yeah. what did you make of that? Because 
the, the guy that hosted it, he did ask Mbappe to do a dance beforehand. Do you feel it was something that was disrespectful to Anna, or? I know. I know, yeah, it is, I mean, look, it is disrespectful to her, and only, I'm sorry, maybe he asked Mbappe to do something, but the fact is we're still trying to be taken seriously, yeah. and he's not. You know, everyone knows Mbappe, and yeah. uh, Anna Hedeberg has, is working hard. She's left her homeland to pursue her dreams, to push herself. She's the first ever winner, and the first thing is to be asked to twerk. Yeah. I mean... So I, I'm not. I think she's been very well spoken about it. It's yeah. not like she was mortally offended. It's just a step back for the women's game. We just don't need it, and we need specifically men stepping up and promoting our game and taking us seriously because that's the hardest thing. Is oh, women's soccer, women's so lady soccer. It's just a bit. There's always like a little add-on or a yeah. little caveat. And I admit, I used to be like that <laughs> until I came here. Well, because in Scotland, the women's game is not something that was ever anything. My team in Scotland had a ladies' team, but no one had any interest in it. And, and now you're still struggling. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah, it is tough in the UK, but I think England doing what they did opened so many doors. Yeah. The BBC's got the women's football show now that they, yeah. they have regularly. So look, your your captain Rachel Corsi plays in Utah. She's in uh, in Australia now playing. I think there's there's uh, Jess Fishlock from from Wales. Like I'm Welsh. My yeah. my father's English. My mother's Welsh. I grew up in Wales. No gym class. No PE for girls until I was nine. You know, and I think these are. It's just this. Is, the world's changing. So yes, you were like that, and then you came somewhere and were given an opportunity to see it in a different light. Yeah. And that's just education. So it's just people just educating themselves and, and getting involved and watching the game in a dispassionate way. Like, not don't go to a women's game to be a critic. What's the point? Yeah. Uh, like, go to, to see that, oh, it's because it's a little bit slower than the men, you can actually see a lot of the structures, you can see a lot of the formations working in a different way. So you appreciate it for what it is, and if you don't like it, that's fine, don't watch it. Um, but uh, it's that's my thing. It, you don't need to be a, an ass. You either watch it and and appreciate what it is for for itself, um, or don't. You, there's just no need to, to knock something because you feel like it. Yeah. Well, that's a great way to end. Thank you so much for your time, Rianne, <laughs> and good luck with everything with the White Caps. Thank you very much. Rianne Wilkinson there. Always loved talking to Rianne. Really, could genuinely talk to her for hours on end. And we, we had that 21-minute chat for the show, then we chatted quite a bit afterwards. And if she didn't have to go and, and get the girls' training underway, I'm sure we would have spent so much of the afternoon just chatting away. She's just such an interesting person. Her knowledge of the game is fantastic. She's just so enthusiastic talking about it and it just puts a smile on your face and just enthuses you listening to her. And she's also just so much fun. And I'm pretty sure she's going to be a regular on the AFT and Soccer Show during 2019. Just a shame that we we don't have a professional team here, an NWSL team or whatever. Well, I, I guess right now it would have to be an NWSL team because there are no other professional leagues in North America which, as I touched upon there in my chat with Rianne, is very disappointing, especially in the legacy of the 2015 World Cup. That should change. The Canadian Premier League are 
seriously looking into having a, a women's division as well. So don't know how many years away that's going to be. Way, way overdue. It has to happen. When you look at all the talent that the Whitecaps have produced and have seen come through the Rex programme, it's just it's almost criminal that there there isn't a team here in Vancouver. And I was told that it was probably about 95% done that Vancouver would have an NWSL team playing out of BC Place. But for whatever reasons, just the, the logistics, the math, the finances, however you want to look at it, the stability of the league, it fell through. Whether that's going to be something that comes up again soon, I would doubt. It really doesn't feel that the NWSL really cares about Canadian players. So I think the best hope for this Canadian talent just now is to go overseas, as so many of the girls and women have done, or go down the college route, or maybe just wait until the the CPL does launch a women's team. You also have to wonder as well, with the Whitecaps having a women's team so close to, to coming to fruition, did they maybe have Rianne in mind as being the head coach of that? That wasn't something I asked her. I didn't really want to, to put her in the spot there. But we're really fortunate to have someone of her experience and her passion for the game in Vancouver. And all the girls in their ex-programme and the, the Canadian under-17s are just going to learn so much from her. But that is it for the first part of this episode. We will be back with more chat after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Previously on AFTN. Albania is going to be quaking in their boots when we get there for the Nations League. <laughs> Did that the wrong way, right? I tried to do my Albanian eagle. <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite sure what that ended up as. I honestly don't know what that was. <laughs> ah, we need video in here. <laughs> I, I think the one thing we, th- we can take from that segment, though, is it's really hard to say chip shop sauce. Let's try. Chip shop sauce. What is it? Chip? Chip shop no. sauce. Chip shop sauce. Pit- oh, <laughs> <laughs> now, this, this might be too much information to share. But when Colombia scored that stoppage time equaliser, I yelled so loud, my hole <laughs> hurt. I had to Google to see if that was something you could do. Can you rupture your hole by screaming too much? <laughs> Zach, I don't know if we're going to have Zach back for a while. Oh, I even called my wife up and I asked her, is this a thing? She didn't know. She she was I, laughing as much as you, though. I, 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 th- I, think, I, think, I think I have the opening for next week's show. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show. And it's time now for my favourite part of the show. It's wavelength time. As we said at the top, this is a special year for Vancouver Whitecaps. 40th anniversary of the 1979 Soccer Bowl win. There's going to be a lot of celebrations by the team. New strip with a hoop. Few guys have seen it, said it looks fantastic. So we thought for this week's wavelength, we would... Bring you a song about a player that played for the Whitecaps back in the NESL days. He wasn't part of the 1979 Soccer Bowl team, sadly. He came to Vancouver after that in 1982. Had a couple of years here in Vancouver, but I guess around the footballing world, people are really going to know him more for his time with Newcastle United and England. So who else could I be talking about? But yes, the Geordie himself, Peter Beardsley. 
Now this is a song which I did feature a couple of years ago when we did a kind of charity telethon thing on CITR and we had an, an all music episode just as part of their fundraising week. So it's never featured properly in Wavelength before so we thought perfect time to bring it back. It's by a band called The Exiles who are a two-piece band and collaboration consisting of Tim Redman and Alan Millen, both of them lifelong Newcastle United fans, both of them having lived in Vancouver as well. Tim Redman still lives in Vancouver. We've, we've featured him on the show before and some of the stuff that he's done. Alan Millen now lives in Zurich. Check out their stuff. Just Google The Exiles. A lot of their stuff is on a site called cdbaby.com. But the one we have for you tonight is called The One and Only Peter Beardsley. Dear Cousin Trevor, I hope you're feeling clever. I hope the sun shines on your wedding day. Any news from Gallagate, I like to keep right up to date. It's not easy from so far away. No Long Benton's pride and joy is our own Newcastle boy. He's really got the white caps riding high. Vancouver's turning football mad, thanks to our local likely lad. He is the one and only Peter Beardsley. He's a white cap now, and I love to watch him play. He makes me feel at home, so very far away. But deep down in my heart, how I hope one day he flies Back to dear old Newcastle and the Magpies Back to dear old Newcastle and the Magpies It was wanderlust, I guess It's in my blood, I do confess That made me into a gypsy rover Still me thoughts turn homeward bound To that grand old football ground You'll meet Geordie boys like me the wide world over He's a white cap now and I love to watch him play He makes me feel at home, so very far away But deep down in my heart, how I hope one day he flies Back to dear old Newcastle and the Magpies Back to dear old Newcastle and the Magpies They even love his Geordie Burr They know why I man means yes sir He's such a credit to the Geordie nation Vancouver's turning football mad Thanks to this local likely lad He's the one and only Peter Beardsley He's a white cap now And I love to watch him play He makes me feel at home So very far away But deep down in me heart How I hope one day he flies Back to dear old Newcastle and the Magpies Back to dear old Newcastle and the Magpies So please give my regards To Uncle Dave and Auntie Bob Tell them that I'm well and doing fine And when you're in the Blackie Boy Buy a round for Stan and Roy And say hi from the Fraser to the Tyne He's a magpie now and they love to watch him play We'll miss him at the Swan Guard every single day But me I feel so glad that he flew away Back to dear old Newcastle and the magpies Back to dear old Newcastle and the magpies 
He's a magpie now and they love to watch him play We'll miss him at the swan guard every single day But me I feel so glad that he flew away Back to dear old Newcastle and the magpies 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 The exiles there with the one and only Peter Beardsley. Peter Beardsley, one of a number of players that's come through and played a little bit in Vancouver before moving on to somewhere else. In his case, way bigger and better things with Newcastle United and England. And certainly in the MLS era, with so much transition and so much chopping and changing of the the Whitecaps MLS squads, a lot of players have come through Vancouver on their travels. A number of them seem to have ended up at FC Cincinnati. Some of our coaching staff as well. In the recent expansion draft, former Whitecap Darren Mathix was picked first. Current Whitecaps at that point, although it had been made clear he wasn't coming back, Kai Kamara was selected second, immediately flipped to Colorado Rapids. Then later on that day, as we all know, Kendall Waston, the Whitecaps' want-away captain, got his wish, has gone away, and has joined FC Cincinnati as well for their inaugural season in 2019. In addition to that, Spencer Ritchie, who had been released by the Whitecaps, has headed to Ohio after having an excellent USL season. So it's going to be a a lot of players keen to to impress the Whitecaps when they they do meet for the first time in MLS action this year. You've also got Pamudu Ka as the assistant coach, and of course Alan Koch as the head coach. And he's going to love to to try and get one over on his former side. So Alan Koch had a conference call after that expansion draft. And we didn't bring it to you at the time. I was initially going to bring it out and run the extra podcast. But I thought I'd hold it back for the the new year one. So this call covered a number of things. We've kind of picked some of the most pertinent or interesting points to a Whitecaps audience. Including the the selection of Mattex and Kai Kamara, Spencer Ritchie and a few other things as well. So let's hear now from FC Cincinnati head coach, Alan Koch. I've been to your town and nobody Ready to 
You obviously added Spencer Ritchie from Vancouver, a, a goalkeeper you know very well, but what what are you hoping to do to beef out the goalkeeping ranks in your team? Are you looking to add players from within the league or are you looking out with? No, we've, we've worked on a few different things and uh, we'll, we'll hopefully get something out pretty soon. Uh, but obviously Spencer, I know him very, very well and uh, we have complete faith in him. Uh, but we only have one keeper. We want to carry a, a minimum of three keepers, so we still got to find another two, and uh, we'll explore every mechanism at our disposal to, to get those guys. Uh, if it comes from within or outside, uh, we're open to all sorts of uh, possible players. FC Cincinnati head coach and USL coach of the year, Alan Koch there, with a little bit of input as well from FC Cincinnati's general manager, Jeff Birding. 
That was just part of a conference call that took place after the expansion draft last month. And there's just so many Vancouver connections at Cincinnati just now that we'll be keeping a very close eye on them all over the course of the season. I'm sure we'll be bringing you various snippets of audio from the team, from the players, and, and just people that do have a, a Whitecaps connection. Obviously, Alan Koch and ourselves at AFTN go way back to his days at SFU clan. Always had a lot of time and respect for Alan. He always went out of his way to help us and chat to us and just give us everything we needed when he was with the clan and also with WFC too. And it's fantastic to see just how well he has done so far with Cincinnati. Whole different ball game now though, of course, going into MLS. And we're really looking forward to, to seeing when that Whitecap Cincinnati fixture is going to be. Hope it is in Vancouver. Have a sneaking feeling it is going to be in Cincinnati, but you'd be looking at the return of Allen to face his old team, Kendall Waston coming back, Darren Mattox coming back, Spencer Ritchie, Pamadou Carr. Who knows what other Whitecaps connections there might be by the time the season starts out there in Ohio as well. And as these expansion teams come into MLS, some of them feel a lot different to others. Now, LAFC last year, when they came in, it felt they were going to hit the ground running, and they did. Should have gone further than they did in the playoffs. Just unfortunate in many ways to to lose out to RSL. But if you don't take your chances, that's what happens. And their early exit did give us Mark DeSantos early and a chance to get things organised here in Vancouver. So at least we're grateful for that. Alan Koch just now has put 21 players together on this inaugural FC Cincinnati MLS squad and there's some big names in there. He's He's gone for guys that's got MLS experience. Obviously he added Fernando Addy during the, the middle of the USL season from Portland and he's he's used players that he's known and familiar with, guys that he knows from Vancouver, guys like Addy that he saw with the Timbers. Another big addition, of course, Alvis Powell, the, the former Portland Timber as well, the Jamaican. He's now part of FC Cincinnati for the season to come. You've got Kendall Waston, big, big addition. We talked about that in the, the last episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. Waston's certainly one of the, the big bumper additions that Alan Koch has made this off-season, along with another defender, somewhat surprisingly, because it was from... Eastern Conference opposition in Atlanta, but Greg Garza now joining FC Cincinnati. He can play left back, he can play left wing. MLS Cup winner with Atlanta and a great MLS Cup final he had as well. Over the two seasons he had with Atlanta, 42 appearances, 3 goals, 8 assists. Really, really strong addition. And in the grand scheme of things, Garza came pretty cheap. He's a US international. All Cincinnati had to give up for him. 200000 in general allocation money. 250000 in targeted allocation money. Now he was linked with Vancouver. From what I was told, that was actually on the cars and did go quite, quite advanced. But then things fell through and he ended up going to FC Cincinnati. I hope to bring you a little bit more on that later as to, to why that may have happened. But certainly some big additions. And uh, I asked Alan there, as you heard, about Spencer Ritchie going there. He had a great season, obviously, with FC Cincinnati when he was there on loan from the Whitecaps in 2018. At the time of that conference call, he was the only goalkeeper on the books. But it didn't take long, really, 
After that, to, to add a Polish keeper as well, Shemislav Titan, a free transfer for FC Cincinnati. 31 years old, a lot of experience, he's played 13 professional seasons in, in the first tiers of Spain, Germany, Holland, Poland. So him and Spencer Ritchie are obviously going to be battling for the number one spot. You have to think Titan is the, the guy that's the favourite for that just now. But Spencer Ritchie definitely got a, a good chance of, of being the number one in FC Cincinnati. Alan Koch knows exactly what he can do. No designated players yet added for Cincinnati, so that's something to, to keep an eye on as well. But hard to say right now how strong they're going to be. They are going into a very, very strong conference. To me, it would be a surprise, I think, if they did make the playoffs, even with seven teams going into the playoffs now under the new rules. I just think it would be a surprise if Cincinnati made it in year one. We've seen some of the expansion teams recently struggle, Minnesota, Orlando, and the, the East is a tough conference, but we wish Alan well. We'll follow him over the course of the season and we'll, we'll have him on the show a couple of times as well. Always good to see a guy that you know and a, a guy that you've worked with in the past go on to bigger and better things. But that is it for another part of the show and we will be back with more and our final part after this. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Previously on AFTN. Was it not uh, Reina who tried the, uh, what do you call it? Oh, a little chip and it was Nobody, headed off the it line. Was, no, yeah, it wasn't yeah. off that, but there wasn't a, what, are the, what do you call those? I don't know what you're doing with your the, feet. The Robona. Your feet Didn't he try a Robono? You know where you flick your... your, your the guy from U2. Hey, I'll show you. Know, oh, boy. You, 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 oh, be careful. Is. No, no. Like, We're not supposed you, to break you, the equipment. <laughs> you know we're on the radio. You demonstrated <laughs> this. This is for you, Hopefully the national team gets better sponsors than they have had, hmm. uh, like a Suntan, uh, I think company that was, was one sponsor. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what it was. I remember they were giving out samples at one of the games, um, and then obviously Amway was that one was other. Just a dream of yours, I think. Oh. oh, I remember getting deodorant back in Swan Guard. No, <laughs> <laughs> that might have been a BC place. I honestly, I really hope he'll connect with David Alaba because I think there's a guy who's got his head on his shoulders. But is a, like able to, I think, be a quality footballer, and even people with you think ha- like have uh, don't have big heads, like Terry. For example, Terry Dunfield went to Man City, and he got a big head. Yeah, I've, I've heard that about him, but yeah, that's a whole other thing. But do you feel the way that Robo handled him and brought him on his development was at the right pace, or did he get held back a bit? <laughs> Respect for my father, I make the best of what matters I need to better my chatter to blow and rep with a swagger And so I take a beat, you know I stamp it And since we're in the new year, I hold you ramping See I've been circling, it's time I go for landing Cause I'm boldly chatting, tongues wag But still I hold my rank and I'm the Edinburgh boy 
Welcome back to the last part of this week's AFTN Soccer Show. As you have noticed from coming back from the, the first two parts, we decided to play kind of a couple of compilation pieces of some of our best intros that we kind of put together at the start of recent shows. So we'll have some more of those coming up in Sunday's show as well. A little bit of light-hearted relief for you. So in this final part of the show, we're going to go back to an interview which I did on July 1st, Canada Day. Now, the thing is with AFTN, and me in particular, I end up speaking to a lot of people, doing a lot of interviews, planning a lot of stuff, and some of it never sees the, the light of day. That's one of the reasons why I brought out the Extra Podcasts two years ago, which Hopefully uh, a lot of you are subscribers to and enjoying. If you're not, check out AFTN.ca to find out just how you can be a subscriber. The latest episode has just come out, a 56-minute special featuring Alfonso Davies. And included in that are three interviews we did with Fonzie, which we never aired. We used for written pieces, but we, we didn't air them. That's something I do a lot. In the case of the interview that's coming up, though... I'd initially planned to use it both on the show and as a written piece. And then the written piece never happened because it was with Colorado Rapids midfielder Sam Nicholson. Colorado had just beaten the Whitecaps on Canada Day and we were kind of looking at how Colorado had started to turn things around. Unfortunately, they had a spate of games coming up in a short period of time and then that turnaround didn't last and then they were plummeting back down the table. So... We never ran that piece, but I had a good chat with Sam just about what brought him to MLS. So I thought I would keep it for the end of the season. So I thought we'd bring it out on this New Year's edition show. You can't have a Hogmanay stroke New Year's show without having more than one Scottish person on it. Or so I feel anyway. And the music coming into this piece, that was Mad Hat McGore, friend of the show. And don't worry, we're not going to keep having Mad Hat McGore on every single episode going into 2019, mainly because it drives Steve up the wall. But if if you guys like it, let me know and I'll I'll keep throwing it in. So we are going to be bringing you some other stuff apart from Mad Hat for this coming year. But that was a, a song from him talking about the new year. And as he said, he's an Edinburgh boy. And another Edinburgh boy, well, kind of Edinburgh boy, he's from Pennycook, which is just outside of Edinburgh, is Sam Nicholson, 23-year-old winger, midfielder, currently with Colorado Rapids, came over to MLS in the summer of 2017, joined Minnesota United, played the rest of the 2017 season with the Loons, made 12 appearances, got one goal, one assist, started 2018 in Minnesota, eight appearances, one goal, one assist again, out of the blue, traded to Colorado, Bit of a surprise for for me when I saw that. Also a surprise for Sam Nicholson, as you'll you'll hear when we play the interview. But Sam is a guy that's been capped for Scotland uh, under 18, under 19, under 21 level. Still has hopes of breaking into the, the senior national team with Scotland as well. Came through the youth system with Hearts. Signed pro deal with Hearts in 2013 and spent four seasons with the Jambos before making the move to MLS. And it's pretty rare, really, for for Scottish and general UK people to to come over to MLS at an early age. We we see a lot of guys coming over in the the latter stages of their career, 
Kenny Miller here in Vancouver, Jordan Motch here in Vancouver as well, guys that's kind of bounced around and this either Scottish Premier, English Premier, English Championship or, or wherever and just looking for a new adventure or maybe a, a new lease of life trying to kickstart their career. Sam Nicholson though wanted that experience but he, he wanted to push himself and experience new things and he could have gone to, to play down in England or continue playing in the Premiership but wanted to try something new. Seems to be loving life over here in North America. So it's an interview we did with Sam back in July just about all those things and a few other things as well. Your own move, obviously you signed for Minnesota, MLS is such a weird league that yeah. all of a sudden you can get transferred and you've got no say in it. Yeah. Did the move to Colorado, did it just come out of the blue or did you have any inkling they were trying to trade you? No, I didn't have um, much of an inkling to be honest. Um, I just I got the phone call one night and I was just lying on bed with my girlfriend and my dog and <laughs> got the phone call and I was, I was surprised but you know I was, I was actually I was really excited to be fair because I said you know when I came over here I'd like to experience America and obviously being at Minnesota I did I did sort of feel like oh, it would be nice if I did try another club as well you know and um, I've loved every minute of it since I've came to Colorado and uh, you know I'm thankful they, they traded for me I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing with everything living in uh, Denver's beautiful my teammates are all brilliant so I can't complain I'm, I'm enjoying it right now You've got another Scott obviously in the team is it nice yeah. to at least have him to bounce things off? Yeah definitely I mean I've known him for, for years now I was at um, Hearts with him so you know, I've got a great relationship with him and, and a great relationship with everyone else, you know. Even the coaching staff are all brilliant, they're all they were all so welcoming, they they make sure their points come across very clear. And you know, I think we prove now that how good coaching staff we have and how good a team we have, you know, the last few games. I mean, at first everything was getting questioned, you know, because the bad run we were on, but you know, I'm not not to say it's all done now. We've we've still got a long way to go, but you know, things are things are looking up for us and you know, we're all we're all just delighted because it was it was a tough time for us all. I know you've probably answered this load since you came here, but what was behind your decision to come to MLS, especially at a young age? A lot of, yeah. We had Kenny Miller here, mm-hmm. so a lot of guys come over when they're later, but you've come over really in the yeah. prime of your game. What, what, what was behind that? I just thought, you know, I got to a stage, I'd, I'd been at um, my old club for 10 years, yeah. and, um, you know, it was, it was a stage where I knew all about Scotland, you know, like Celtic were winning the league every year, you yeah. know, and I was, it was sort of, I, I wanted a bit more, and I know, I've had a lot of comments obviously when I first moved over well, why didn't you try and go England like Championship or League One but you know I just since I've came over here I've not really looked back I've enjoyed every minute of it and you know speaking to the guys like Jack Price and, and Tommy who've played high levels in England you know they've played Championship League One they're both saying it's a similar standard it's just uh, I think for for us us Brits I think sometimes it's like a, an ignorance to other leagues Yeah. you know I mean we look at this league and go oh it's not great but there's no reason why it's not great, you know. Yeah. There's there's players, there's players in you know Vancouver that could play for Celtic, could go and play for championship, a championship yeah. in England, could could even maybe play bottom half Prem. Do you know what I mean? It's just it's just opinions, you know. And I thought to myself, I'd had a look at it, and I'd uh, spoke to Perry Kitchen, who was at he was at of DC, course, yeah. he was at Hearts, and I just said, look, I've I've been like asked to join a team in MLS. What do you think? And he he told me to go for it, and I've not looked back. You know, my my girlfriend's over with me; she's not looked back, and. My family are all, they can all tell that I'm happy over here, you know, so I can't complain. Yeah. I know, but I understand totally for, for everyone that aren't really, you know, from people that aren't aware of them, unless they, they did question it. And, you know, I, 
everyone's gets, everyone yeah. gets questioned in football nowadays. Oh, yeah, you know? it's questioned Scotland. Yeah. But I mean, now you're in the league with Zlatan and yeah. Aston Schweinsteig and guys like that. Exactly. Whereas you were playing places like Dumbarton and like exactly, some yeah. of the crappy places in Scotland. Yeah. I'm an East Fife fan, so I can say that. <laughs> but it's like, do you, do you see your future being here, like long term? Yeah. Or I mean, you know, I'm just I'm happy to just go with the flow at the moment. You know, I'm I'm still. Like you said, I'm still. I'm only 23, so yeah. you know, I, I didn't think that coming here at a young age would stop me going anywhere. Like if it meant I wanted to go back to Britain or I wanted to stay here longer, you know, it's it's just a journey. You know, everyone's yeah. football career is a journey. It's not like to say, oh, because you've been there, you're not going to be able to go there. You know, um, so I, I'm just happy. I'm just enjoying it at the moment. You know, football's. I think people get lost in the fact that football's supposed to be enjoyed. You know, they don't. Like obviously, when we went through that little stage where we were getting beat. Everyone starts listening to what people are saying and. For me, I, I I know I'm only 23, but I, I stopped doing that like a couple of years ago. Like, yeah. stopped caring about what people say because it starts affecting oh, you. It's the best thing. Yeah. And you know now that we've <laughs> now that we've turned around, like it's, it feels nice that people have been saying bad things and we've just yeah. proved them wrong. You know, but not to say not to take away the bad start we had, not to take that yeah. away. But you know, hopefully, you know that's that's things turned for us. Great. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. To meet yeah. You. Good luck. Colorado, Colorado. Beautiful place that you are Feel the sorrow of tomorrow Before you go very far Sam Nicholson there, still with Colorado and Colorado's going to be an interesting team, I feel, to watch this year. They've made some strong additions. Obviously they've added Kai Kamara to their, their striking ranks. A few other key additions that they've made as well, maintained a, a number of their, their key guys, and these are the teams, like the Whitecaps, that didn't make the playoffs, and they're making big pushes for the the playoffs next year. Seven teams from the West going through. These are the kind of teams that the Whitecaps have to make sure they finish above to make sure that they get into the playoff. And you feel it's going to be a, a busy couple of weeks coming up for the Whitecaps. Maybe this week as well, but the, the time that you guys are listening to this episode, there might even be some announcements of new Whitecaps players now that the new year is out of the way. But that is it for this episode of the show. We will be back on Sunday on CITR Radio with episode 317. Our usual 11 o'clock start coming up on Sunday. You can listen to it live on 101.9 FM in the Lower Mainland anywhere in the world on citr.ca online and as always the podcast will be out on Monday. We hope you've enjoyed this New Year's episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. Hope you've had a great festive period and New Year. All the best for the coming year. May it be a happy and healthy 2019 to one and all. I'm Michael McCall. You can follow me on Twitter at AFTN Canada, Instagram at AFTN Soccer, Facebook at AFTN Canada and do our stuff on Away From The Numbers, AFTN.ca. So until we talk again, thanks for listening. Take care, Happy New Year, and mon the caps! Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.